Welcome, everyone. CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 20th. UVA plays at Boise State in a couple days. Going to be an interesting sort of uh, turnaround for them, coming off of the pretty convincing victory over a hapless uh, UConn team, um, which some of us are probably going to need some uh, um, reality checking uh, on. Uh, we will talk about the win over the Huskies as well as um, preview this matchup uh, against the Broncos. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. We'll start up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And staff writer Justin Ferber up in Arlington is also on the show. How are you, my friend? You know, Brad, there's oh, big no. games and small games. There's oh, stick God. games and ball games. There's run games and there's fun games, but there's no game like the throw game. Wow. And I'm at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter for all kinds of stuff like that. Wow. 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 Yeah. uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I would just like to say, for the record, Ferber tried to sneak a throw game reference into the five to watch. And I'm sitting there editing it. And I'm like, what? No. Mm -mm." And so I just had to say something. But like. For the record, this man brought me um, this koozie from the Nationals game that's a Chewbacca thing, and I told him I was going to name my next either kid or dog after him, um, and you were <laughs> dangerously close to, to losing that, that uh, proud, proud uh, um, mantle of, of, of honor this morning. So don't ever throw the throw game back in a store. <laughs> yeah, it's so in vogue right now. No, it really is and I have no idea why. Like when did we be, how did we let this become a thing because it is everywhere. And it's like I told y'all earlier, like it's like score the basketball. Like now everybody says score. Oh man, but he can really score the basketball. A Ugh. couple years ago it was run pass option. Yeah, that's true. RPOs, man. read option concepts. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> bad. Would you got coaches saying it, you got media people saying it. It's 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 awful and it needs to stop. Um all right, let's start here. I feel like I learned not a whole lot. Like, I feel like what UVA did Saturday was they beat up on a bad team. And maybe the simply just beating up on a bad team is it, and in and of itself, an accomplishment of sorts, right? I mean, how many times have we seen Virginia punch down, right? Like, they had a, a team they should beat, and they beat them. But the offensive explosion had, I think, a lot more to do with UConn being terrible than it did UVA really going out. I mean, look, execution was at a high level. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, it wasn't like, you know, UConn was like, here, take the ball, score a touchdown. Um, they still had to go make plays, and they did. And I don't want to I don't want to knock that or belittle it, but I do think that in terms of what I feel like I learned, just me, I, I don't know if there was a whole lot that I learned that was different than what I maybe knew going in other than just seeing them actually, you know, execute the plays versus missing them 15 yards out of bounds. Um, maybe open it to you guys. Uh, I, I think I know which way this is going to break. Um, but, Dave, what yeah. do you feel like you learned? I mean, you're right. It's, it's hard to learn too much. UConn is terrible, but I, I don't know that they're much worse than they were last year when they beat us. Um, so so in that it, in itself is an improvement, right? Um, we talked last week you know, about the, the disconnect between the offense and the defense. And this, this week um, – it took, you know, the offense came back in and, you know, came in first drive of the game after the defense made a stop and, you know, I think it was the longest drive in 
terms of plays in Virginia history. Um, it was the longest drive in terms of time. Time, okay. 9.46. So, yeah, ate up a bunch of the clock and put seven points on the board, um, which for me, it doesn't matter who it was. They, they have, have failed to do that against some very bad teams over the past you know, couple of years. So um, that was an improvement. But other than the offense executing at a high level, you know, obviously what we saw Saturday doesn't make me think we're going to roll into Boise and stomp them or have a chance against, say – I'm not naming that other team down south, but um, wow, <laughs> it's not. I don't know that it means that, but it is certainly a um, an improvement over what we have seen the first two weeks. And with yeah. a program like this, I think you should take that and be happy and see if it continues. That's a good point. I think I think there is somewhere in the middle, right, between saying, "Okay, this was clearly the the start of something special," blah blah blah. blah. And say and not and but also not giving them pro- like they deserve credit for like I said going out there beating a team they're supposed to beat and doing it in convincing fashion. They deserve uh, credit for being able to you know for executing and and it's like and it's like they I, I used the analogy earlier this week like they saw the ball go through the basket and and I think that that actually is a big deal like the confidence that they, that they might get from that is going to be I think it's going to be important to watch. I don't think that. All of a sudden, you should expect UVA to start rolling up, you know, 550, 600 yards, um, you know, every game. But I do think that now that you've seen it sort of work, you can. I, I will say this about Robert now. We've been pretty, pretty harsh on his play calling and, and sort of his offensive scheme. I know Ferber's still not quite a fan of, of kind of the, the what UVA is trying to do. I, I think I could see some elements of it a little bit on Saturday. You can see what they're. I, I, I mean, we can argue whether or not what they should or shouldn't be trying to do that, but you can kind of see them. You you can kind of see the methodology at least in play. What I'm what I'm cu- super curious about is like UVA didn't like roll out anything new last week to do this, right? They just essentially ran their offense. How do you like? It it must be harder. It's not like they gave it's not like they gave Boise State anything else new to chew on. I would imagine that if they if they had pulled out a bunch of stops and now you're like, all right, well that's great, but like you you use them up against UConn. I feel like it means that whatever tricks they do have in the bag, if they have any, are still there. Um, because this was le- legitimately like maybe they, they tweaked a little bit in terms of how they use Zacchaeus. Um, but I, other than just trying to get him the ball in a place where like the whole stadium didn't know it was going to him. Um, and Ben Kirk, Kirk mentioned on the uh, teleconference uh, earlier today that the idea that like they're spreading the ball around and that actually helps them a great deal. One, because it gets more guys going, but also two, because it sort of gives a defense a lot to sort of look at. Um, but I do think it was good for them to, to use the Kias in, in, in a very positive way. Um, it was good, I think, for the offense as a whole to, like I said, see the ball go through the basket. But ultimately, I don't know how much it really changes anything unless, you know, they go out and do it again. If they do that Friday night, I mean, I think I'll be a staunch believer. Uh, Ferber, what were some of your takeaways um, from, from sort of where this, 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 this whole thing went on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it's not that necessarily I'm not a fan of the the scheme overall. I, I get it. I mean, it it worked at BYU, and I think it can work here. I just feel like for weeks we were seeing like half of it. Um, for whatever reason, it was like it was just a more vanilla version and or less complex version of of what it could be. And it seems like some of the stuff that they were missing was like just get Zacchaeus the ball. Um, in different ways. I mean, that's a that's something where you kind of have to build a scheme for that. I mean, 
when they got to UVA, they didn't know they had him. So, I mean, you know, it's a different sort of concept within the offense itself. Um, I think what you really saw was that how, you know, the running game can open up the passing game. Um, I mean, it just gives... like, like we said last week, the corners and the linebackers will sit on a lot of these underneath throws, intermediate routes, um, and they will push, you know, they'll cheat out outside of the hashes because a lot of the throws go out there. Um, but when you're running the ball effectively, that kind of gets everybody creeping a little bit back towards the middle of the field. Um, you know, it gives the linebackers a little bit more hesitation on play action. And, I mean, it just lets your offense kind of get into a rhythm. Um, a lot of running backs, it takes, you know, 10 carries or so in a game before they're really in a rhythm. Um, and you can kind of see how that, it just helps them move the chains a little bit more effectively. I mean, what we did see, I think, different is we saw a few more plays in the middle of the field um, than we did in some previous games. And some of that was, you know, at runs out of the catch and, and that kind of stuff. But also the deep pass and concepts, and obviously the deep pass was a huge part of the game. Um, but... They didn't throw the ball just straight down the num- you know, down the sideline like they had been in previous games. I mean, the throws that were completed down the field were, you know, they weren't necessarily right down the middle of the field, but they were more in a position where a guy can make a play after the after the catch. Um, I mean, I, I said this on Twitter during the game, but but what we saw on Saturday is I think what they wanted the offense to be in an ideal world, right? Um, a lot of complete passes, uh, intermediate throws, mix in the running game, uh, long methodical drives, and you know, like maybe a few deep shots here or there. That's why they wanted to run the hurry up last year because they thought that they could do that and the tempo would make it hard for teams to stop them and they'd be able to run up a bunch of points. They weren't really able to do that, but now, I mean, it seems like they're like this game was a good example of what it can look like when it does work. Um, I mean, again, another game where they won the turnover battle. So that kind of stuff matters. And um, if there's one thing to take away from the offense, I don't think they're going to perform like this all the time. But the fact they're playing much cleaner than they did last year, even in the Indiana game, um, they're just you know they're they're not killing themselves with penalties and turnovers. And I don't know if that's going to keep up. But if it does, right there, I mean, that's a that's a good sign that the coaching is working in itself because that's something we didn't see for a long time. Yeah, Justin, you were talking about like seeing half of it. Um, there was a couple of play, couple, well, one concept and one play that stood out to me on when I did the rewatch. Um, that Lavrone touchdown late in the game. Like we ran that same route concept probably four or five times against Indiana, but whoever the deep receiver was, who in that case was Lavrone, was running to the sideline, and that's where Kurt missed that throw three or four times on Saturday. The underneath, I think it was Zacchaeus underneath, came across, took the corner. Lavrone, instead of going to the sideline, he went up the hashes and towards the, towards yeah. the pylon. It's more like a um, wheel route. Yeah, and it clean. You know, everything was clear. And Kurt is a much better deep passer when he's leading a guy versus hitting a guy. You know, going side to side deep. He's good with those intermediate throws side to side because of his arm strength. Um, but he's got more room for error when he's throwing it under. You know, like throwing it up for a guy. So. That simple thing was like a complete change from what we had seen against Indiana. And then multiple times this year, we've seen Zacchaeus in the backfield. Um, this is the first game they gave it to him a few times. And that doesn't seem like much because I think it was four rushes he had. Um, but now if you line him up in the backfield and we handed it to him you know, three or four times, all of a sudden the linebacker or safety or whoever has got him in man coverage or who's checking him in the zone is going to hesitate a second before they follow him out of the backfield. 
um, so he can get a jump on his pass routes. And you saw that a couple times on the slant. So it's little things like that um, that add up, especially you know when, when you throw for a school record. Now, I know it was UConn, but it's not like uh, Sean Moore or Aaron Brooks or Matt Schaub didn't play some crappy teams in their in their day. Um, it doesn't, you know, this team put up, was it 454 or something? Um, and three, three receivers over 100 yards. And they did it with a cons- decent day on the ground. So it wasn't like it was an air raid offense per, per se. So granted, the opponent was UConn and they're not that great this year. But still, I mean, it, it's an accomplishment and it certainly is an improvement over what we saw in week one and week two. I think the one thing that I kind of took from it is once it got moving, you could kind of see that UConn was second-guessing themselves a lot. Yeah. Um, like they didn't – I mean, if if Indiana – you know, they got a few stops and then it was like, okay, we kind of know what plays they're going to go with in certain situations and we've already stopped it, so I think we can continue to do so. Um, but what, what you saw UConn doing was they were moving the ball around a different guy so much that they – they just had they were hesitating on everything and then like the underneath stuff that normally is covered up really well because the guys are cheating up towards the line of scrimmage those guys were more open so it just gave Kurt more easy throws to make I think one thing that also stood out to me was not just that they were having success um, but it was the consistency and I think that listen if if you are going to you're gonna have deep throws deep run, uh, d- d- whatever big stuff, you're going to have to also do the little thing. And I think that one thing that as I looked back at the numbers on Monday and I was writing my column, um, Virginia was on third down. The The Cavaliers were, were seven of 12 and on fourth down, they were two of three. Off- defensively, UConn was five of 11 on third, one of four on fourth. Uh, look, when you're, when you're able to stay on the field and get the other team off the field, like, that is that that really simplistic stat. Just like um, typically in a basketball game, if you make more free if you if you make more free throws than your opponent attempts, you're going to win. That's that's how that feels to me. Like the Virginia hadn't had a game like we can take look take away the 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 bombs and the and the big plays that, through the passing game, just moving the chains, like continuing to stay on the field, having success. Uh, I thought they did a good job of making hay on you know. And Ben Kurt mentioned this. I think it was after Indiana. He's talking about like the idea of like getting into it's basically third manageable for them. Third manageable is is the is the secret. And and I feel like as they move forward, like you're not going to have these weeks where you're gonna, where you're going to be able to execute at such a high level that you can go. Um, what was it? Uh, eighteen plays, eighty eight yards. Uh, twelve plays, eighty seven yards. Uh, nine plays, eighty nine yards. You're you're just not going to do that. Um, with any regularity. Now, granted, they did have a couple, you know, two-play, 75-yard drive, a, a six-play, 53-yard drive, where they were able to, to to score points because they did have those big plays. But realistically, like, Virginia's not going to have those bombs. Like, you're going to have to do it on the ground. I thought Dylan Rankinsmeyer um, was – it has, has clearly been a, a, a much-welcomed change. Um, I do feel like that does – make a big difference and I'm really curious to see uh how that how he progresses this year because listen if he if if he's as as good as it looks like he is and if he can play as consistently as he's as he's played consistently this far and I think that's the thing that stood out to me is that like when he's on the field there's no real drop off like he 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 hits that standard pretty regularly he's not making you know a, a mistake and then having four good plays and then two mistakes like he's a he's a really consistent kid if he's able to do that that's the first sign of real like long-term potential on the offensive line that you can really point to. 
because he's a redshirt freshman. Like he's got three more years after this. Like I think that in of itself is, is if you want to talk about some takeaways, that change to hit with him in the middle of the line, it, it was obviously a, a big deal. And look, I, I'm I, I love stats. We can all we can all you know oogle oogle oogle. You know we can stare. We can you know gawk at, at the at the at the numbers. But realistically. The the one seventy one on the ground. Like if they're able to run the football, they're gonna be they're gonna have success. And it like Justin said, like the way it opens everything up and the way it moves things back and forth. I think that's the that's the key. Like Bronco said Monday, like they were they were extremely balanced um, because they were versatile. Like they were able to hit you either way, and you, you you couldn't you couldn't creep your safeties up to try to stop the run, and you you couldn't drop every you know you know what I'm saying. Like you you they they really didn't know what was coming. Uh, and I, I'll be honest, like it was probably the first game I didn't know it was coming. Um, so I don't know if, if Robert and I has changed up some of his um, tendencies. I mean, typically the, the, the old adage is that you don't, um, you know, you, as a play caller. But I, look, it, it, the proof is in the pudding and it clearly looked good. Now your question is, how do you do that against a team that has lost like, what, six games in a decade at home or something, some nonsense like that? Um, Boise State has had eight just a, an inc- incredible amount of success at Albertson Stadium. Um, Ferber, I know in, in, in talking to you, uh, or he, I guess in, in, in some of the stuff you've said this week, this feels like a game to you that Virginia is, is going to, it's going to be tough for them to stay in. Um, as, as the, uh, the, the sort of, as sort of the guardian of the, of the, of the reality, um, how, <laughs> how, uh, how down are you on their chances this week? What do you? How do you? How do you sort of see this thing stacking up? I think it's possible that they can stay in the game. Um, winning, I think, would be that's a long shot, just because of Boise State's track record of success at home, and just you know UVA's lack of a resume as far as going on the road and winning these types of games. I mean, when's the last time they won a game on the road against a team like this? It's been they haven't won but two games on the road since I've covered the team, bro. Yeah, I mean it's been like, that's what crazy. probably since they went to Florida State and, and won that yeah, game. That's right? it, the Florida State yeah. Miami season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that, it's been they they've beaten a few road teams, but nobody good really. Um, so I mean, I just I don't see them winning the game, but I think they can. You know, if they can build on on what they did last week, obviously Boise State's not UConn on either side of the ball, but I think they can stay in the game. Uh, it sounds like Brett Rippon, the starting quarterback, is going to play. Um, he was upgraded to probable today. Um, he had a concussion, so he missed last week. Um, but I mean, regardless, I think they'll probably end up playing both quarterbacks. Uh, they did when they were both healthy, they both played, um, Cozart, the backup is a grad transfer from Kansas who ironically UVA probably could have used this year. Um, no, like he was basically the Marvin Zanders that they got. Um, and he's more of a dual threat quarterback. Uh, he can throw the ball, but, um, you know he he uses his leg, legs a lot. He's there actually their leading rusher on the season. So definitely need to watch out for that. Considering how much trouble they've had with running quarterbacks on the defensive side of the ball, every you know everything else seems to be working. But they they you know for some reason they're having trouble containing the rushing quarterback. So they'll have to probably get that cleaned up, especially when Cozart's in the game. Um, I mean other than that, they don't they're not really gonna blow you away with their running backs and wide receivers. Um. You know, the last time they played, they had Jeremy McNichols when they came to Charlottesville two years ago. He was obviously one of the best running backs in college football. But this year, they're kind of doing a running back by committee thing. And they have one or two decent receivers, a pretty big tight end. Um, but again, it's nothing that it's nothing 
skill talent wise that UVA won't see in ACC competition. What makes Boise so tough is that they, you know, they have a good home field advantage. Um, they play well there, and and they take advantage of opportunities, especially at home, like on both sides of the ball. Their defense isn't again; they don't have a bunch of blue chip kind of guys um, on their defense, but they do have solid players who know their scheme well and and execute it. So that's the kind of team that Virginia is trying to be on both sides of the ball. And Boise State is just you know they've been very consistently. Um, you know, they've just executed at a high level consistently over the years, and I expect to see more of that on Friday night. Time time can sometimes uh, make you believe things. So I, I'm not going to go back and try to read what I wrote when, when previewing this game or anything like that, but I, I did have this idea that typically Boise is, is, is very experience-oriented, right? So they're, they're just full of guys who have played a lot. Defensively, they only have two seniors on the two deep. Um, which I gotta admit is kind of kind of fascinating to me. Um, they go, I, and I think they only have one senior. Uh, if I'm looking at it right, yeah, it's at Gabe Perez, at strong side linebacker. They only have one senior that starts. So I mean, there's a lot of youth here. You got sophomore, 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 uh, sophomore, sophomore, sophomore. Like there's like six sophomores on this uh, on this uh, starting uh, group on defense. Offensively, you look. It, it, it everything sort of runs through the quarterback, but their offensive line is not very big. I mean, it, at least in terms of what we think of as big these days, right? Um, none of them, uh, excuse me, one of them goes over 300. Um, not a whole lot of length at wide receiver. Um, Cedric Wilson, um, the senior wideout, is 6'3". He's easily the tallest of the bunch. Yeah, he's and their like, best receiver, too. And and like Ferber said, you like they don't have a lot of – like. Even at running back, they they got a sophomore starting in front of a senior who's a who's an oar. Um, so I mean, it's 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 a committee situation because they don't have anybody clear cut. And I wonder if part of and this is going to sound weird because for a lot of people, right, a lot of UVA fans who will look at this game and go, "Oh, they're playing Boise State, they should win," because they don't pay attention to football and they don't understand that like just because you aren't like Alabama or Tennessee doesn't mean you can't be good. That being said, I wonder if those of us who do know Boise State's history, if we look at this team and say, you know what, they're going to be good because we're used to Boise State being good. But I look at this in, from an experience standpoint. I mean, look, their cornerbacks are, are sub uh, six foot. You know, they they have some talented players. There's no doubt about it. That that uh, Vanderick head is the, it looks pretty legit uh, at linebacker, even if he's not an, a super experienced guy, right? But I just I, I just wonder if if some of us, myself included, maybe are overestimating Boise because we are so used to Boise being so talented and, and, and being such a good program. Um, this game should be the one that, that sort of answers that question, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had the same thoughts. You know, you, you start to look at the name of the program and you just assume they're going to be really good. Um, I'm kind of somewhere in between where it's kind of like I give them the benefit of the doubt because they are that kind of a program. You know what I mean? Like BYU was like that for years when Bronco was there. It was like they would get new guys and you would be like, oh, they might fall off here. They lost their quarterback, but they would just consistently take care of business. Um, So I I kind of, I understand where you're coming from for sure though. I mean, they're not a juggernaut that's unbeatable. I mean, they beat Troy by 11. Troy's not bad, but um, I mean, that game was a 17-13 game with like three minutes to go. So right. they're not world beaters, but I, I mean, it's going to be a tough challenge. Dave, let's 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 let you chime in here. What are some of your sort of expectations? Where where's your head before? I mean, we don't we'll get into predictions and whatnot in a minute, but just in terms of your general feel uh, about this one. I mean, they are a weird team. <clears throat> I spent quite a bit of time today um, 
just trying to watch highlights, read articles, watch what I could on them. Um, they're definitely not the same level. They don't have the same level of playmaker, I think, as we saw when they rolled into Charlottesville. Um, but they're solid. They're, it's a very bend-don't-break break defense. Um, but what I found myself debating before the podcast tonight was if they played Indiana on the neutral field, who would be favored? Um, I'm I'm not sure. Like I, I, think I thought about the same thing, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty equal. Uh, I think Indiana's probably got a better offense, and I think Boise's got a little better defense. Um, that said, you know, Indiana beat us, and that was at home. So I have a tough time seeing Virginia winning the game. But honestly, it's not because of anything I see specifically from Boise other than the fact that they have a history of winning and we have a history of playing poorly on the road um, and we have last year and, and what we've seen so far this year. I would not be shocked if Virginia won this game. If Virginia comes out, wins a turnover battle again, and is patient on offense, like I wouldn't be like, oh, my God. It would not rise to the level of that Florida State win in 2011. Let's put it that way. Um, but I'm not expecting it. And I do think it's a defense that we can run the ball on. Um, and I think it's an offense that is, with with Rippon at quarterback, is very similar to Indiana with Legault, but not quite as good of a receiver. Um, and I think it's, it's a potential for us to see the versatility in having guys like Jordan Mack and Malcolm Cook at linebacker who can rush the passer and cover a tight end like they have. So it'll be a fun game to watch. Um, I, I was kind of encouraged by by Bronco bringing up the fact that they like to jump on you early. Um, I think we saw that <laughs> before. So it's there's reasons to have hope that Virginia can make this a game. It's just on the road on a Friday night, first road game of the year. You know, Virginia's on a plane right now as we speak, essentially, um, heading out there. It's just a lot, a lot of reasons to not pick Virginia to win this game. Um, not that we're getting to that point yet, but um, I, I don't think it's a team that, you know, I don't think you're being unreasonable as a fan if you sit down Friday night hoping to see Virginia win. And and truthfully, like, if you if you think that Virginia, hey, Virginia's going to win this game, like, I'm not saying that you're crazy. I mean, like, this is not a David and Goliath sort of situation. And what I think is funny is that if if this game wasn't on the road, like you guys are talking about, like, like, that is the piece of this whole thing because we have seen Virginia lose so much. Uh, away from Charlottesville. I mean, we've seen him lose a lot in Charlottesville too, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, like I was saying before, the Duke game last year, the NC State game uh, in 2012, like those are the last road games that Virginia's won. Now, there hadn't exactly been a lot of winning anyway, but it, it, that, that this game is on the road is a thing that certainly kind of carries the flag for a lot of people about this matchup and probably one of the biggest reasons why the number in terms of uh, where the line is, it, why it, why it kind of is what it is right now. Um, I was kind of breaking down or looking at the the differences between, like at least in terms of stats, because I, I don't really pay attention to a lot of stats too early in the season. Week three, week four, probably about the time I start like giving it any kind of credence. Virginia currently is, is fourth in the country in red zone defensive percentage. Not, which is the best number of any of either team in any category, which I just kind of surprised me a little bit. Thanks, um, UConn. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> right? No, uh, obviously, Virginia also 17th nationally in, in passing offense um, right now, um, and yet still 58th in, in total offense, probably because the rushing offense sucks so bad those first couple games. Um, but I, the thing that, that I, I, I kind of agree with, like, Cozart is currently their leading rusher 
Uh, he's cur- also currently their best uh, passer and in terms of uh, total offense. Um, I guess that shouldn't necessarily surprise us. Um, to me, this game is going to come down to can UVA continue to run the ball and can uh, can the Broncos create on the ground with their quarterback the way that uh, the way that other teams have had success. And I wonder too. You know, if if Rippon, you know, he's cleared concussion protocol and he's able to play, how much is is Harson trying to trying to play them both? My guess would be a lot, because uh, you don't know how much Rippon has practiced, even though they had you know some extra time because of the 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 day the game being early. Like, I would think that you're trying to get you're trying to you're you're probably thinking to yourself if you, if you're watching film of UVA this year, you're thinking your quarterback can run for for a good little clip. Um, if the offensive line and and I had um, Zach Ballard who writes for for BlueTurf.com, um, our uh, uh, rivals affiliate um, out in um, in Boise, if the offensive line is 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 as as much uh, in trouble or in doo doo as he seemed to think it was, uh, then then maybe that could be a legitimate concern for them. Uh, I think I forget which one of you guys said it, but essentially the idea being like, yeah, but their version of sucks is very different than UVA's version of sucks. Um, so I I I, I kind of see that point of view. Uh, I think the more I look at this thing, I think the Dave's point about Bronco being very upfront about the idea like what they want to do right out of the gate. I honestly think that like that's the first time a coach has ever said anything that made. I guess it's been a long time. Um, at UVA, or especially since I've been on this beat, um, I can't think of the last time I had a I heard a head coach basically say something that amounted to momentum or something to talk about in, in, like uh, emotion, like not just like the who you play for stuff, but like this is a legitimate thing that they they do this, they are known for this, and you have to be ready from an energy level standpoint. Like it's not just about like how you the X's and O's. It's going to be like your emotion of the game. And you've got to be focused, and you've got to be you, your energy level has to be there already. Like you can't wait, you can't have a slow start. You're gonna have to meet them and meet that energy level. Um, I, I just, I just think that was really refreshing uh, in a lot of ways. Like it seems so obvious, but like it's, I'm so tired of UVA coaches getting on on the podium and talking about like, well, you know, it's just another game and blah blah. Like on some level, man, like you got to be, you got to be amped and your kids have to be amped. Everybody has to be ready for what they're going to try to do to you right out of the gate. Um, and clearly in 2015 that happened, right? We, we all saw, we all saw that. I I think, uh, in the, on the site today, you know, essentially the end of, of the Mike London era, um, was not, uh, was not a great deal of, of, of fun that night. Probably the worst, probably the worst night of my UVA professional career, um, simply they did, because they did not run to the roar. They did not run to the roar. <laughs> no, they they and it was so um, it was so, over so fast that like you had to live with this thing for the rest of the night. And like then it was like a day early, and the whole world was watching, and everybody was just angry. And uh, it was one of those days where I was like, "Yeah, can I just throw up like a under construction banner on the front page of the site?" Um, let's let's get into into sort of talking predictions. Um, who wants to go first? Who who's up? Who want who wants to go? I can go. It's fine. All right, all right, Dave. In the preseason, in the preseason, you had UVA losing this game, forty-five to twenty-four, twenty-nine. I can't read my writing. I'm See? sorry. Reputation. Twenty forty-five <laughs> twenty-nine. Uh, how you feeling now? 
that score, I'd take the under on that real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been looking, you know, going back to the, the power index says we, we essentially have the same chance to beat them as it gave UConn to beat us last week. Um, and then, you know, it's a 13.5 point spread. It moved down today and then it jumped back up in the last couple hours, I guess, with the Ripon being moved to probable, um, which surprised me because I think they're better without him against us. But uh, the pure money line on this game, you know, if you took Virginia straight up, it's Virginia's a plus 450. Um, that kind of tells you it's an unlikely win. Um, I do think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I think this team's different. I think they value the ball. I think the defense is something we did not probably talk about enough tonight because we talked about them so much the last couple of weeks. Uh, defense is very good. It's very versatile. It's the best defensive backfield I've seen in quite a while. Um, and I think they're going to make life hard on Boise. What I'm worried about is is Boise's, you know, our, can we run the ball, first of all, even, you know, UConn wasn't that good on defense. Can we run the ball against a, a plus, uh, above average defense? I won't call them great, but, you know, probably the best defense we faced this year. Um, can we run the ball against them? And can Kurt be patient and not force a deep ball? Because um, that's what they want you to do. So I, if Virginia can keep it, keep the turnover battle even, I just have a hard time. You know, I think it'd be a close game. I just have a hard time putting Virginia over the top with the fact that it's a road game on a weird night um, so far away from home. And given the special team struggles Virginia's had, um, but I am going to amend the score greatly. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game uh, in the 40s at kickoff. I, the Boise crowd, I don't know if you guys watched it in the other game. It, it's going to be loud, but it's not like it was a couple years ago. A lot they're of, not uh, filling that stadium up anymore. No, they're, they're, there's a lot of people not very happy with the program after Chris left. Um, yeah, I'd love to have that problem. but <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. Remember so when I'll amend it down. Here? I'm going to go... <laughs> I'll go 24-17 Boise. 24-17 Boise. Uh, Ferber, what about you? What, what, what are, spoiler alert to people about what, what they're going to see Friday What was night. my preseason prediction? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me see. Uh, Ferber, in the preseason, you had Boise State winning this 38-21. Hmm. Interesting. Um, <laughs> and I remember on that podcast, I said, if UVA starts 3-0 and or looks good in the first three games, do not let me pick Boise State. You you did say that, yeah, because I mean I could see how the temptation might be there. Um, I've been studying Boise State a lot the last like forty eight hours, just kind of trying to get ready for the preview and and get ready for this game. But I think Dave kind of hit the nail on the head. Honestly, um, I'm not normally the most like irrationally optimistic guy, but I think there's reason for optimism going into this game. Um, I think if if UVA can win the turnover battle and their defense plays at the level that it's been playing at, they'll have a chance to win or at least be in the game. Um, the X factor, I think, honestly, is going to be can UVA play clean on offense like they have been because Boise State's going to put a lot of pressure on them unlike the first three defenses that they played. I mean, Indiana's defense was decent, but, um, I mean, they got up a, bit, a big, you know, they were up like 14 points in the first half, so at that point they could kind of just like sit back. Um I think if UVA can can win the turnover battle, that's a, such a huge thing. And I think a fast start, you guys kind of hit on it, would just be so paramount for the offense's success. I think the defense is probably a pretty going to be a pretty resilient group this year, just the way that that side of the ball is made up with a lot of veterans. Um, you know, I think that they can they can withstand 
an early score, you know, if they go down. But I think the offense, I can see a situation where they could start to press, um, you know, if things don't go well. They never faced any real adversity on offense against UConn. They never trailed. Um, UConn almost almost tied it up at the beginning of the game, but they weren't able to. So, I, I mean, the adversity is going to be there, whether it's, you know, in the first quarter or in the ha- second half. So, um, I, I'm going to change my prediction from the first half, I, or from the first prediction I made. I, I agree with Dave. Um, I think... Looking at this game, Boise State's going to put a premium on trying to turn UVA over and just keep this game in the in the 20s because they feel like they can win a game like that. Um, and UVA still has to show that they can go win a close game like this. I mean, they walked over William & Mary, and they pretty much dominated UConn from start to finish. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can if they can show some resiliency in the second half if it is close. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go Boise State 21, UVA, or Boise State 27, UVA 21. So a little bit closer. And I think UVA will cover. Um, but I think that there's a lot of variance possibility with this game. I could easily see it being a game like 38 21 if Boise State, we just, you know, underestimated them a little bit and they play well at home and UVA regresses a little bit. Um, I could also see a situation where UVA wins the game outright. I think that that's much less likely than a blowout loss. Um, but I would I wouldn't rule it out like I would if they were playing, you know, Clemson this week or something like that. In the preseason, I had this uh, Boise State thirty one fourteen. I'm going to give UVA some more points, but I feel like that's just about right. I I think the Broncos ended up winning it thirty one twenty four. I'm like Dave. I would not be shocked at all to see UVA win this game. Um, there are some games on the schedule that I'm going to be sort of shocked to see UVA win, um, but this is not going to be one of them. I, I think the the road aspect, like I said before, sort of taints our, our view on it. Um, it's hard for us to think to take UVA seriously on the road right now, and and, and until they put some, some some you know they scratch together a couple of either close losses or hard fought losses or maybe even some wins. We're just never going to be able to really kind of take them seriously from a prediction standpoint. Now, in terms of the game itself, let me give you two numbers that are giving me giving me heartburn. All right, and probably the one of the one of the main reasons that I, I didn't pick UVA to win, even though I, I have it as a one score game, right now. And I realize third game of the season statistical nonsense, but just in general, uh, Boise is currently 16th nationally in punt returns and currently 20th nationally in kickoff returns. Now, maybe that's just a, a, a statistical sort of uh, anomaly and it doesn't really mean anything, but I'm a little bit worried at elevation. Um, you know, everything that kind of goes into this game, um, what Virginia's special teams will be like. And that's problematic because I do feel like this is a, a tight game otherwise. I feel like Boise's offense is not quite where they want it to be, and Virginia's defense is is, a, is playing at a pretty high level. I think Virginia's offense is kind of come in probably a little bit too confident. I'm, I can see him getting kind of punched in the face early uh, and then having to show some resiliency. Um, but also that defense not quite as experienced maybe as as as, as the Bronco fans are, are used used to having. So if this would be a, a you know a much closer game to me if it wasn't for that disparity. I just cannot trust UVA special teams right now, and against a team that I think is probably pretty good uh, in that area, um, I think that I could totally see this being a pretty tight game, and then um, you know they 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 make a big play on special teams that sort of um, seals it. I realize that it's not to to call a game that is a one score game not very tight seems seems somewhat um counterintuitive but what the way i think about this game is that like it's like a 10 to 14 point uva cuts it close and then you know and then can't get any closer um we have totally forgot to do prop bets the last two weeks um 
Dave, Dave has, has, has been so gracious as to, to give us a few um, to actually, you know, do something we told people we were going to do. Uh, Jordan Ellis, over 75 yards, yes or no? I say yes. <laughs> that was convincing. Yeah, that was a that was a hedge, wasn't it? I'll say no. I think I think uh, uh, OZ gets quite a few touches at no, running back this week. Ferber, what do you think? Seventy five yards for Ellis? I say no. Um, okay. Partly because I feel like Boise State's going to defend the run pretty well, and then UVA is just going to become pretty uh, one dimensional in the second yeah. half. Kurt Ben Kirk over two hundred fifty yards. Yes or no, Ferber? Um. I'll say no. Okay. Dave? Uh, I think he gets somewhere between 200 and 250. Okay. Dave, what do you think? I'm going to go over slightly. Yeah, I think if you think that that, that Ellis isn't going to get to 75, that Ben Kirk over 250 makes sense. Uh, I only I, have him I will say, 25, 21 points. So. That's true. That's true. I w- I'll say over as well. And then lastly, <laughs> the, the quarterback who plays the most snaps for Boise, uh, I will go with Brett Rippon. The same. I think I mean I think that's what they want to do on offense. They'll use Cozart as like a wildcat type quarterback from time to right. time. But if Rippin's healthy, I think he's the guy. I'm going to go Cozart. I just think it's going to play a lot like that Indiana game. They 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 roll Brett out first yeah. and then I mean, yeah. I didn't mention it. You know, Rippin got sacked on 20 percent of his pass dropouts in his first, but in the, before he got hurt, which is one of the reasons he got hurt. So, um, but yeah, I mean, can Brad, get after him, they're going to bring Cozart in. Right, what you said earlier about Boise State watching the film and seeing UVA's – I mean, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, they're going to be watching this film like, oh, we can roll Cozart out there and run all day. Right, exactly. But, I mean, if it's a design run, I don't know if it'll be as effective because most of the runs right. that Ramsey and, and McKee had against them were scrambles. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or or that sort of Wake Foresty sort of – you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, like basically the delayed you let, draw. You let everybody runs yeah. and then you go, you know. But one thing that we haven't talked about is Andrew Brown – coming off of the ejection i'm really interested to see how drew responds to that um really interested to see how he sort of uh attacks this game he had had literally his best game in bronco's opinion as a cavalier the week before and then that happens to him in the first half i'm really curious to see sort of how he comes out um on friday night it seemed like he kind of like after he got ejected he kind of just took it you know he didn't really seem that mad you know he didn't seem upset no he didn't seem upset i think, I think he, he knew he, i think he, he probably knew, knew what happened and was he like extended well, it, yeah 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 no doubt well i think that's a good place to put a pen in it guys want to uh, thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show we've done 221 episodes of this thing that still blows my mind i still have no idea how that actually happened in real life uh, but continue. Uh, thanks to everybody out there for continuing to listen to the show and support us. Thanks to Dave and Ferber for being so gracious to give of their time as always. Um, and we will uh, we'll be back next week to to talk about this game and kind of where things are as as UVA's in the in the buy. Um, it feels weird to say that the season is almost you know is to this point three you know you know be four games at that point. Uh, a bye week seems early, but we'll we'll give you some I'm guessing some grades and we'll think of some other nonsense to to hash out during the bye week as well. So for uh, David Spence, for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.